will be starting school. It's an exciting time, always the end of summer. We have a lot of things going on in our church right now, uh, wonderful things that God is doing. Uh, we had an Espanol worship service last Sunday, had over 60 people attend to that, and so that was exciting in the house of prayer. One of the, mo- the most exciting things we have is um, in two weeks, so August 20th, you want to mark down your calendars. We are having Mr. Manny Vasquez come and preach a view of a call to be our pastoral um, uh, pastor of Hispanic ministries here at Northwest. And so that's going to be exciting. Yeah. He has actually been in our church for a while now, many months, um, but he comes to us from First Hispanic Baptist Church of Norman where he pastored there for five years and he will lead the charge um, with our growing uh, Hispanic community as well as our bilingual services that we offer here at Northwest as well as reaching our community for Christ. He will not only just pastor um, our bilingual um, uh, members here, but he will also be pastoring you in different services as he's on our team in a um, bivocational role as he is also an electrician and owns his own business. So we're excited for him to be on our team and to come and preach in view of a call. And then in two weeks after he preaches, we'll have a special call business meeting in which we will uh, vote him hopefully in. So we will do that together Um, in two weeks. But this is our last Sunday in our summer series called Limitless. I know you're sad about that. We're going to return to the the gospel of Mark. And, uh, but we have been learning that the body of Christ, his church can do hard things knowing that our hope is not in this world. It's not in the things of this world, but our hope is found in Christ. Amen. The eternal life promised to us through the word of God in Christ Jesus. You see, this is the simple message that you have heard since you were a child. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes upon him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's That is the truth in which you've heard. But to put that into practice, knowing that you have been given eternal life, the hope of eternal life, and how to live your life now for eternity, that's what we have been talking about. We look to the eternal, not the temporal, the eternal even today. So we've looked at uh, some of the challenges that we face on this earth um, that actually point us to our hope that we have in Christ. In stress and anxiety, we saw the God who brings peace through trusting his sovereign hand. In shock and adversity, we saw how the scripture shows us That God is at work amidst our trials and our suffering. In fasting, we saw that what we need is the Lord, not more stuff to fill ourselves with. In strength and endurance, we saw that God gives us what we need 
to finish the race that we call life. In memorization and meditation, we saw God gives to us his word that we may rest in it and produce fruit in our life now. And last week, we saw how aging and death really points us to the work that we have for the Lord today. And I wanted to wrap up our series by preaching a passage which I've been meditating on for almost two years now. If you remember back in 2022, this was our theme verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It was the idea that we are to live as if we are dying. It was as if God had a purpose and plan for us here as his church. God at work in his people. You see, God is using the trials, the tribulations, the suffering, the anxiety, all of the things that we struggle with, the tribulation of this world to prepare our hearts and minds for eternity. But he doesn't just want us to prepare ourselves. A lot of those things in which we go through and walk through are also impacting those around us to see and to hear and to smell what it looks like to live for eternity. So we're going to summarize all the things we've been talking about all summer in one, or try to do that, in one verse. So if you'll open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 this morning, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one that the Lord has placed upon my heart for our church for a long time. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. If you'll stand with me, we'll read it together as we read God's word together. <clears throat> Here it is. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and preparing our hearts to hear what you have to speak through your word. Lord, we pray that it would be your word that speaks, not me. We pray that our ears would be open to hear from you this morning to our circumstance, our specific situation, and that we as the church, the body of Christ, would be reminded of the purposes in which God has for us here on this earth. That we would be challenged to know and grow in this gospel. That we would not take this time that we have, Father, as unimportant. 
But Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As many of you know, this week or this weekend uh, was called MMA Weekend. Yes, that is right. It's MMA Weekend at Northwest Baptist. Mountain Man's Adventure Weekend. That's what the MMA stands for, Men's Mountain Adventure Weekend. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was one of those. A lot happened this weekend as we took 12 men to the mountains in New Mexico. Um, we went to the highest peak in New Mexico, uh, Wheeler Peak. But before that, we went fishing and I caught my first trout. It was after five hours of fishing. We have a, a picture of that. Five hours of fishing in streams, rivers, and lakes in New Mexico. And I caught that huge trout. You can barely see it. You can't even see it. It's okay. My father-in-law said, is that a minnow or is that a small fish? Which one is that, Rob? And that is a rainbow trout, by the way. So, yes. I kept thinking, man, this is a lot like evangelism. You keep throwing it out there seemingly forever until God finally gives you a fish. There's a lot of patience in fishing, as you can see. But you, we attempted to also climb the tallest peak in New Mexico, Wheeler Peak, estimated 13,000 161 feet, not quite like the 14er we, we did last week, like Mount Everest. No, I mean, we didn't do Mount Everest. We, we climbed Mount Humboldt, and it humble, humbled us, and Mount Humboldt, yes, for sure. But if you look at the All Trails app, and if you're a hiker or you, you, know, what that is, you know what that is, it's, a, it's an important app, which I did not do prior to going, its rating was just hard. That's all it said. Hard. Okay? So if you, if you have an idea of what that rating is, it means hard. And I quote this from the All Trails app. It says this. Head out on this 8.7 mile out and back trail near Taos Ski Valley, New Mexico. Generally considered a challenging route. It takes an average of 5 hours, 38 minutes to complete. So this is our journey. I'll show you this video. Eliezer put this together for us uh, this weekend.
All right. So you can imagine the struggle getting up to that mountain. Uh, one time we stopped to catch our breath. Multiple times we stopped to catch our breath. But uh, one time past the tree line, I kid you not, a 70-year-old lady walks by us and says to us, I'm sorry, guys, that I've been behind you for a while, but I hate to pass you. I just don't want your male ego to get hurt. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. You know, it, it's so interesting, these hikes, they begin with the same. Like, they begin the same. Like, a full heart, a fresh wind, you're, you're ready to go. An attitude of, I can conquer anything. And it begins quite smoothly. Right? You're like, oh, this is a beautiful, slow incline, smooth, nice gingerly stroll. And then you get to switchbacks, which are steep inclines. And you have to go sometimes in an L shape like this just to, just to climb up. And I was like, man, this is, this is a little bit scary. And, um, and then the air starts to become thin. It becomes so thin that the trees can't even live up there. Okay. So is, I think <laughs> I think it's like a sign or something. The trees can't even breathe. You shouldn't be up here. Right? And uh, it's a lot like life, though, these climbs. You're young. When you begin, you, you feel like you can conquer the world. And you're in the best shape of your life. Your body feels great. You have all these dreams and aspirations. And you're experiencing new things and seeing new things. Some of you young people are in this stage of life. Like, this is great. Like, I am going to conquer the world. And it dawns on you at some point, this isn't easy. Life is not all it's cracked up to be. You begin to actually work and, and maybe it's climb the ladder of success or your job or after you do 15 plus years of school, postgraduate work and you work three jobs just to make ends meet. You, you find out life is not easy. Life gets hard and, and then things don't work like they should and you get a little bit older. Now we're in the aging stage, right? And and life gets harder to do just simple things. The mind doesn't necessarily work like it should. Just think of once you get past the tree line, your mind isn't working, you're functioning, your lungs aren't breathing like you should. And, and you continue on thinking, is this it? But just as you do on the mountain in life, you continue to put one foot in front of the other. Why? Because you know what awaits you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's us at the top. Brad is exuberant in the background. But this is the backdrop of what, uh, for us as believers, we await. We await eternal life. We know that our destination is eternity, so we continue on. We do not lose heart, as Paul says here to the Corinthian church. This is the backdrop of for us as believers is what we see here. So, 
2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, it's Paul's encouragement to the church, don't give up. Though life is hard, though your body may break down, your body will break down. Though the suffering and pain of this world is real, this light momentary affliction is preparing you for something so much greater. And the pain that you now feel will not compare to the glory beyond all comparison awaiting you as you are with the Lord forever. God is preparing his church for eternity to be limitless, right? David, David actually said this week to me, he said, your next series should be entitled Limited. I said, oh, that's, that's a good idea. But isn't that the truth of the gospel, right? You are limited by sin, destined to death, but Christ in his love gave his life so that you could be limitless, amen? Verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is point number one this morning, it's thus. God is renewing our hearts even though our bodies are breaking down, right? God is renewing our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, even though our bodies are breaking down. Our bodies are not being renewed. It's important for the church to not lose hearts. And this is, I can't say this enough. It's important in your walk with Christ to not lose heart. It's important... For you to not lose heart, it's important for the church as a collective body to not lose heart. It's important for the church at large, big C church in our world, to not lose heart. You know, every, every person in this room has experienced deep traumatic circumstances in their life. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We will experience deep traumatic events circumstances that are out of our control that are difficult maybe you've had traumatic things happen to you in the in the past few weeks and and you're you're struggling you're you're losing heart and my prayer this morning is is you hear the word of god and you don't lose heart you find the truth of the scriptures and you cling to the truth even though your body wants to say "I, i have no hope you do have hope It's the hope of the gospel. And the word of God is speaking to you this morning. Do not lose heart. And then Paul says something that he admits. And I love how the scripture is so, so straight. It's so forward. It doesn't, 
it's not trying to, to show the, the, the weakness or it's, it's not trying to say this is, this is, it's not trying to cover anything up. It's, it's straightforward. Paul says, your body is breaking down. Though your outer self is wasting away. It may be your, your, your thyroid is, is giving out. Or your, your knees are not working properly. Or, or Alzheimer's is taking your mind. Paul calls it wasting away. Uh, it may be that the outer body is wasting away, but, but don't, don't lose hope, church. Why, Paul? Why, why should I not lose hope? I mean, I feel like I should, right? All these things are happening around me. My body is breaking down. And Paul says there is a renewal that's happening. There's a renewal of the inner self. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The spirit of the living God is inside of you, renewing your heart, your mind, your desires, your will. The person that was once focused on self is now focused upon others. The person that could only tear down other people is now encouraging others. The person that lives to please his flesh is now denying the flesh to live in the power of the spirit of the living God. They're the hands and feet of the Christ. The church is being renewed. The building, the building is going to waste away, guys. But the church inside, the people of God, they're being renewed by the power of the spirit of the living God through the preaching of God's word, through the discussions in their small group, through the challenging focus of the leadership. Through all of these things, God is at work in the lives of people. The spirit of the living God is doing that work of renewal. We talked that we had a lot of devotions in our week this weekend and one of the things that we came to was God actually gives us weakness to show his strength. And so 2 Corinthians twelve ten says this, For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God, God is showing us that the weakness of even our bodies breaking down is reliance upon the Lord for eternity. It's, it's preparing us, right? We talked about this last week, aging and death. It's preparing us for eternity. One lady walked up to me last week. We talked about aging and death, and not many people talk about that, right, from, from a gospel perspective. And I don't really talk about it that much probably one of the first sermons I've said, this is an aging and death sermon, right? And a lady came up and talked to me afterwards and she said, you know what, I'm from Minnesota, you don't know me, I've never been to your church before. A friend invited me that never been to your church before. We came this morning and I want you to know the doctors told me I have two months to live. And your sermon really impacted my life. 
that wasn't me planning that. That was the Lord saying, listen, this person needs to hear the truth of the gospel and how it relates to aging and death. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because the power of Christ rests upon you who are weak, who are humble, who are meek, who need Christ. And says, I need the power of Christ to rest upon me. Our inner self is being renewed through our outer self wasting away. Earlier in in chapter 4, Paul says this to the Corinthian church in in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. I think that was a band back in the 90s, right? Jars of clay. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecution, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Did you catch that? Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. The breaking down, the jars of clay, and inside that clay is a surpassing power that belongs to God, that God is renewing in these, 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 these jars of clay, these cheap pots. It's a treasure in a cheap, broken down pot. Its container is cracked and yet is showing the power of God shining through, allowing us not to lose hope in rejection of the gospel or persecution of the gospel because of the gospel or even death. The gospel has made you a new creation. This is the, thre- the, the thread in which Paul will be writing in, in chapter 5. He goes on to talk about the new creation. Not that your bodies are new. Know that you love like Christ and now he has given you the ministry of reconciliation. This is what he's talking about as new creations. That you actually care about other people's walk with Christ. You actually care about their peace with God. That you would be given a ministry of reconciliation. That you would tell them the message of the gospel and that it would transform their life and mind so that they could be reconciled to a holy and righteous God. That's what he's saying. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that inner, inner body, that inner person, that inner self is being renewed day by day. God is at work as he is doing something that he can only do through the power of the spirit 
of the living God at work inside of you. Titus 3, 5, and 6 says this, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The renewal, the regeneration, Becoming new in Christ Jesus doesn't affect our outer bodies. But through the outer bodies wasting away, God is renewing our inner self. Changing our desires, our mind to look like Christ to prepare us for eternity. Verse 17 says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is point number two this morning. It's thus. Suffering is preparing us for glory beyond compare. Suffering is preparing us, the church, the people of God, for glory beyond compare. I love the compare and contrast here that Paul uses. Though through the wasting, God is renewing. Through the affliction, God is preparing. The weight is contrasted with the light. The light affliction compared to the weight of glory. In the, in the grand scheme, Paul is, is he's, he's saying that our suffering on this earth is in no comparison to the glory in the next. For Paul, the, the darkest, most intense suffering was not even close to what we will experience in glory. Paul is not saying your suffering is light and momentary, but he's saying it is light and momentary in view of the eternal life in Christ Jesus. In comparison to the eternal weight of glory, it is light and momentary, even though it doesn't feel like it right now. Paul Paul is able to say that. And why is he able to say that? He's able to say that because he has suffered more than most. 2 Corinthians 11, 24, he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Five times I received lashes. 40, 39 times on my back. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He was left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. Many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. That's Paul. 
He's declaring what he's walked through, and then he says, it's light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory. God's not wasting your suffering. He is at work in his preparations. Just as he was in the life of Paul, he's at work in your suffering. Just like an athlete who trains, putting his body and mind through rigorous training sessions, seemingly endless affliction and hardship, he is preparing for something greater. That's how you have to view the Christian life in this world, in your suffering, in your pain, in all the things that you have to walk through. You are being prepared for an eternal weight of glory. God's preparing his church. And, and the reality is, you say, why, why would God do that? Why, why would he prepare his church through suffering? Well, it, it was that the Son of God came down from heaven to be born as an infant in a manger. And he would become a servant on the earth and not just any servant, but one who would give his life on a cross. He would pay the penalty that was used for murderers and robbers and thieves and he would stay there. He would place himself there. He would suffer and die for you. He would bring about in his suffering the salvation of mankind and God would be at work in his suffering. So God is at work in your suffering. Suffering in the name of Christ is producing, preparing for us something much greater than this life. It is an eternal reward. Therefore, church, do not lose hope. Do not Lose heart. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Looking back on the climb on the top of the mountain, even though it doesn't feel light and momentary, having finished the climb, the struggle is often washed away by the result. The affliction in this life for the sake of Christ is washed away by the glory that waits us in eternity. 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says, But it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Hmm. Can't imagine what God has prepared for those who love him for all eternity. You see, the temporal things, they will wash away. This world and everything in it will be gone. Yet the word of God will stand forever. The truth about who God is, his salvation in Christ, it will last. This earth will pass away, but those who are in Christ 
they will not pass away. Therefore, we as the church, the people of God, we live for that which will last. We give ourselves to the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 says this, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They come and go. But the things that are unseen are eternal. This is our last point this morning. We, the church, live for the eternal. It's so easy to look at the temporal, isn't it? So easy. How much money do we have in our bank account? What's your health like? What's your next vacation? How big our business is? But we, as the church, the people of God, we live for the eternal. We live for things that we don't even see. Beyond the immediate experiences and senses. It's not that we blindly live for that which we cannot see. I mean, all of creation, it's pointing us to God, right? Like, we're not just blindly going, oh, we we live for the unseen. No, we see God at work in the creation. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We see that God, there is a God at work in the creation. Therefore, we have faith in that which is unseen. But really, the story of, of the Bible is about faith, right? Things that we can't necessarily see. I mean, Noah built a boat in the desert. He couldn't really see the rain coming. Built a boat. But he knew the flood was coming. Why? Because the word of God told him the flood was coming. By faith, Abraham turned his back on his home and his family to go to a land in which he did not know. He didn't see the land. Say, oh man, God's giving me that land. He knew God would give it to him. Why? Because God told him through his word. By faith, Joseph would be in prison, sold by his brothers only to be resurrected to save God's people. He didn't see God's plan. God didn't tell him, hey, I'm going to put you in prison so that you're second in command to the Pharaoh and you're going to save all of God's people by, by, by saving up during a, a wicked famine. No. He didn't see God's plan, yet he knew the Lord was with him. By faith, Moses would see Pharaoh's army coming from Egypt to destroy him, and God would then part the Red Sea. Moses didn't didn't see the Red Sea part. He trusted that God would do something in which would save God's people, would protect God's people. By faith, Joshua would see giants in huge fortified cities, yet the commander of the Lord's army would make them low. 
He didn't know how God was going to interact and God was going to take the city. But God's word told him, you're going to take the city. Walk around it seven times and the walls are going to fall down. You see, God is at work even when we can't see it. He's, sometimes he peels back the layers to help us to see the unseen things at work, his work in the spiritual realm to bring about the ministry of reconciliation. There's a story about Elisha the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So these these armies and chariots of the Syrian army have come to take Elisha. And Elisha's servant wakes up in the morning and he sees this army surrounding the city. He's like, what shall we do? I see an army around us. I don't know what to do. Elisha said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant's going, what are you talking about, man? I'm looking around. I got nobody here. What are you talking about, Elisha? I look out there, I see this huge army. I got nobody around here. I can't see anything. What are you talking about? Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh man. God allows us to see sometimes but oftentimes we cannot see he is at work in the midst of your trial. The fact is, is that God's greatest work is done in the unseen realm. You see, Jesus was suffering and dying upon the cross. It, it looked like suffering and death was victorious. But in fact, sin and death were being defeated. And Jesus was conquering the enemy. He was crushing the head of the serpent on the cross. It was the unseen realm in which Christ was winning. He was victorious. In church, it's our life to sometimes not know or understand how God is at work in our trial, our suffering, our situation. But we can take hold of the fact, the truth of the message of the gospel and the, and the word in which Paul writes to the Corinthian church that our God is certainly at work even if we can't see it, we know that he is at work. So we don't lose heart in our trials, our weaknesses, our suffering, our pain, even our death. Our God is at work. He's preparing his bride, his church for eternity. Let us have hope in the glorious word in which Paul wrote to the Corinthian church almost 2,000 years ago. 
that we as the church, the people of God that meet at 23rd and Drexel may not lose heart because we know that God is at work in renewing that which is inside of us, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and your word and we pray that as you prepare us for eternity that we would be reminded of your love for us. That which um, is not temporal or transient or comes and goes, but that which is eternal. Father, um, we, are, we see your work amongst your people through the life of your servants. And Father, we want to not lose heart, to not lose hope. Father, we know that in this room, a room this size, that there are many who are struggling to find hope in their life. We know that there are many people in this room who are anxious or depressed or um, living without hope. Things haven't turned out the way that they had planned. And Father, we pray that you would give them peace and hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that they would humble themselves and say, Lord, I, I need you. I need you to work in me. I need to hear from you. I need to be in your word. I need to be part of the local church. I need to be in community. We pray that you would work in the lives of people in their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. That we would be people who respond to the gospel. That we would be a church that has purpose and focus. That we have a work to do. The ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll respond to the worship this morning by standing We're gonna to worship together. Now's the time of responding to the word of the Lord. Just like Noah responded to the word of the Lord, just like Moses responded to the word of the Lord, just like Abraham responded to the word of the Lord, just as Jesus responded to the word of the Lord, it's our response as the church to respond to God's word. So maybe you need to pray with someone. Maybe God is calling you forward to even pray with one of our pastors and say, you know what? I do not have hope this morning. Will you pray with me? Maybe it's a response to God's glorious salvation and you say, I need to be saved. I want God to renew my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I need the Lord to come into my life and change me. And I'm humbling myself and asking him to do that. That's what salvation looks like. If you want to do that this morning, we'd love to pray with you. 
and help you walk with, with Christ. If there's anything else in your life, you say, I'm suffering, I need prayer, I need healing. Would you come and pray with one of our pastors this morning? They will gladly pray with you.